home where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Did you hear that uh, Jennifer Aniston and Justin Throw are breaking up? I think she stayed in that marriage for a long time to stay off of the cover of the tabloids, pontificating about her romantic life. So she was a cover? Or he was a cover? I don't know. Mm. I don't care. Hey, the FBI is getting a lot of heat today. Uh, the governor of Florida, Rick Scott, calling on FBI Director Christopher Raid to resign. There's a number of questions about what the FBI knew when they knew it regarding this shooter in Florida. Very strange. Jim Ryan is joining us with some of the latest on this. Uh, Jim, tell us about the latest tip that came into the FBI about the shooter and about the whoever it was that gave this tip, the concern that they had about him. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a softball. We don't know where the tip came from, but it was apparently very specific, actually naming Nicholas Cruz as a person who uh, had some issues, had a gun, um, some mental problems, acting erratically. Uh, that was forwarded onto a tip line, an FBI tip line. But unfortunately, and it was never forwarded onto the Miami field office of the FBI. And in fact, it was uh, abandoned, apparently. It wasn't followed up on at all. Uh, we saw what happened six weeks later when the shooting happened at this high school in South Florida, Garrett. We spoke to a special agent, ex-special agent, yesterday about the protocol for the FBI. What happens after they get a tip like this? And he suggested that one of the steps is that they run that name through a number of databases, Mm -hmm. see if there are any hits on priors. In this case, this kid didn't have any priors. Uh, he, He did, however, have more than 30 police visits to his home in recent years. That doesn't pop up on a database, I'm assuming. Well, apparently not. You know, um, you are supposed to be, when you purchase a gun, you, you fill out paperwork that uh, says that you're mentally sound. And you obviously don't have any criminal uh, uh, convictions to your name, felony convictions at least. He didn't have that and uh, apparently did not put having mental problems. His attorney now says that he, he's had mental uh, issues since he was a child. Uh, but uh, you're right. I mean, the, all these visits from the police department apparently aren't to, they don't rise to the level of a great concern. Uh, but the FBI bungling of this, I, I don't think is so much about, um, you know, missing these little steps. It's just a matter of, of not following up at all. Uh, that's where the governor, Rick Scott's uh, criticism comes from, where he's demanding now that the FBI director, Chris Ray, step down. Uh, this is obviously hindsight. When we look back, it's much clearer, all of the warning signs, all the red flags. In this case, in this specific tip that came in early January, is there a way to to compare it to the number of tips that that FBI line gets every day? I mean, is it is it a few hundred? Is it several thousand? Well, you know, there. Are, I think it varies upon what's going on out there. A lot of this generates 
based on headlines. You had a lot of hoaxes and a lot of uh, threats made on schools today simply because of what happened two days ago. Uh, and so I suspect that it, it can go from maybe a few dozen to a few hundred in a day. But uh, the reason they have this tip plan in the first place is to receive information and follow up on it and uh, to try to keep this sort of thing from happening at all. There was no information sent to local authorities or the local Miami field offices. Right. I, I'm assuming they're going to take a look at that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the um, Christopher Ray, the director, says that there are protocols in place. There is a process that is supposed to be followed when people call into this tip line, this uh, this uh, public tip line. Um, but uh, for whatever reason, the protocol wasn't followed in this case, and a very dangerous person was still off the radar of the FBI when the when the Valentine's Day came along. What do we do about this? I mean, is there uh, – Rick Scott has called for Christopher Ray to resign. Uh, Christopher Ray came out with a statement and said we're still uh, – I'm committed to getting to the bottom of what happened in this matter. I mean, is there a way to help facilitate information sharing between the FBI and local police so that this would not have fallen through the cracks? Well, that may be something that uh, it stems from this, but um, it, it really wasn't a matter of the FBI sharing it with local police <clears throat> as it was the FBI sharing it with the FBI. You know, they just didn't, uh, the left hand, the right hand were completely on, on uh, the opposite ends of the information stream and one not sharing with the other at all. And that's what we need to get to is why this FBI office, I think it was in Mississippi, did not forward the information on to Miami. And I wonder how prevalent it is for these threats to be called into the FBI. Is there a, a big stack on the FBI field office in Mississippi that Mississippi that first uh, got that threat uh, that the YouTube user had called into his local FBI office about this shooter posting on his YouTube page? I want to be a professional school shooter. Was that threat placed on a, a stack of a hundred different types of similar threats that the FBI just hadn't gotten around to contacting the local office? That's another question. Sure, absolutely. You know, uh, was it something that might have been ferreted out eventually? Would an investigation have been launched? Um, apparently not. I think if if, the, if Miami had gotten word, if the Miami FBI office had uh, had received this information, specific information about a person's uh, you know the threats that might have been made, his name even, it would have been a fairly easy thing to follow up. Would it have prevented what happened yesterday? You might have. Or it might not have. You know, if he was determined to do this, then it might not have mattered at all anyway. What I, what I think about, Shannon, is how many uh, cases like this are thwarted, that the FBI does check up on, and that they do prevent something like this from happening. Uh, you have to hope, at least, that that happens, too. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, we hear it from time to time. They're, they they do tell us about attacks thwarted, and, and that's great. I mean, I'm sure there are a number of threats that come in uh, that are investigated. It's just unfortunate that seems... There was a wealth of evidence that this kid was a ticking time bomb and the, yeah. the follow-up wasn't done. Uh, Jim Ryan, thanks so much for your time. appreciate it. Thank you. Here's what I'd like to see. Yeah. I'd like to see a database. A database, this isn't the first time we talked about this either. A database that takes where you uh, say you're, you're coming to me and I'm a mental health facility in Valencia, all right? And you're, you come to me through whatever, through a school official, through some sort of mandated program. And so I type up Gary Hoffman, mental health program, four months, enter. That goes into the same database that Valencia Firearms uses to give you your AR-15 that three months later you go in there and they have you fill out a little questionnaire. Uh, Do you have mental problems? You're going to write no. Okay, well, that's great. 
I take that piece of paper. I go into my database. Gary Hoffman. Uh, uh, oh, looks like you've had mental health treatment. Let me let me for, let me add, uh, within a year. Add teeth to your scenario. Sorry. And say that on the on the little form that I have to fill out, it asks me because all of that is a federal document, and, and I could potentially be in big trouble if I lie on it. Something along the lines of, "Have I ever been committed voluntarily or involuntarily into a mental health facility for any for, for any amount of time?" Right. And I answer but, no because yeah. then because because then it's not just uh, you. you oh, sorry, you I can't gun, sell this to you, but you're in trouble for something else. Exactly. Then yeah. the FBI comes knocking on my door and says, "Why is it that you tried to get yes. the gun? Why did you lie on this federal form? Yes. It's a federal offense." Okay, so that's one database. Okay, got it. I'd There's love one. to create. All right, Check just 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 communication between every mental health facility and every gun store. Simple database. It should be easy. It is a very simple program. Here's the other database I'd like to have. I'd like to have it in the FBI. And the FBI gets a threat from a guy that calls in from YouTube. Hey, somebody says they want to be a professional school shooter. Uh, Here's the screen name they provide. They type in that name. And they find out that the police have gone to that name's house 38 times in the past two years. Or Hmm. there, there, there may be 20 of those people who share that name. Oh, and there's a few of them that have already had contact with the police, including the guy in South Florida who's had... 39 different uh, agencies at his house. And I'd like the computer screen in the FBI at that point, when that database makes those connections, to start flashing. In-person check. In-person check. And it doesn't let you do anything else on that computer till you go and you sit down and you have a face-to-face. Now, we got an email, and along those same lines, we got an email from Bill who asked, um, what about the... The other agencies, you know, was the FBI the only agency that anyone ever contacted about this guy? If I heard my neighbor, for example, ranting about shooting up a school, I'd start by calling the local police, the sheriff, the marshal, the school police, etc., which is what we said earlier. The first place I would go to if I felt like my neighbor was a danger is going to be my local police force, right? And what we've seen in the past, what we see here is not just that there were a few dozen visits to this guy's house. For, for all kinds of different things, domestic violence, elder child abuse. A lot of it uh, was neighbors, neighbors saying com- that this guy was doing creepy stuff. And none of those things necessarily, none of those individual calls necessarily rises to the level of putting that guy on someone's radar. But if you have one agency that's going to this guy's house eight times, 12 times, and then you have another agency. I mean, assume that it's the Parkland Police Department that goes 12 times. And the Broward County Sheriff that takes over 12 of those calls. And then the Coral Springs Police Department that takes over 12 of those calls. There's got to be some way for those police agencies to see we've been to this house multiple times. And not just rely on the memories of the officers involved who a lot of times clue in, know they've been to that house before, know they've dealt with that guy before. But that they can say there is a serious problem who lives in this house. You've got the calls, the 39 calls. The 39 police visits to the home. You've got two separate threats called into the FBI. One last year from a guy says that this kid's been posting, I want to be a professional school shooter. The other in January of this year, somebody calling the FBI and saying this kid has the guns, he has the will, and he's ready to carry this out. Let's see, what else do you have? Oh, the threats that he was making on campus, threats to people all the time. He would joke that he's going to be the person to come to the school and shoot it up. What else do you have? Oh. 
the fact that he was expelled, that he got into a fight because uh, a fight over a girl and he was expelled from school. Add in there the death of his remaining parent, his mother after Thanksgiving. Huh. You think this this time bomb starts ticking faster? It's a uh, it's a frustrating question that we don't necessarily have an answer to is what then happens to that guy. Let's assume that all of those all of those points are connected. Let's okay. assume that the FBI does follow through on their tip. They go to the house. They, they go make to the contact. House. They ask the guy, do you have any guns? Mm-hmm. Steve Gomez from uh, from ABC did this yesterday. He's a former FBI agent who actually sat, I mean, kind of walked us through what would have, what should have happened in that case. You sit him down. Hey, uh, we got some complaints. We saw what you wrote on, on YouTube. We're, we know it's you, so you don't have to worry about that part of it. You don't have to lie to us. Do you have weapons? Do you do you like guns? I mean, it shows here on your social media posts that you've got all these weapons or at least access to them. You mind if we search your house? Uh, no. Okay, great. Here's what we're going to do. We feel law enforcement. You're a danger to your to if if not yourself, you're a danger to your neighbors. So what we're going to do is we're going to commit you for 72 hours. We're going to flip this house inside out. We're going to we're going to turn this thing around to see if you have any of those weapons that you have shown on social media. And if you do, they now become ours because we believe that you're a danger to yourself or to others. And that begins the process. That's well, all what should part have been. of that process can happen. The Baker Act alive and well in Florida, just like the 5150 situation is alive and well here. I don't think they can take away his gun, though. There's an obvious flaw then. Well, yeah, I mean, the obvious of obvious flaws is that this kid's 19, has a history of mental illness, and was able to get the AR-15 same-day service, same-day shopping. They shouldn't be able to to buy an AR-15 or any gun, for that matter, if you've been recently committed or been recently in mental treatment. But you're right. I don't know if they have the power to take away that gun if they use the Baker Act. Um, so I don't know. But, but then the question is, and Bill actually points this out later in his same email, what 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 do you can, do? What after? can we do permanently okay. to prevent him from eventually doing something like this? Because let's assume he's not getting any okay. better. All right. Uh, he's involuntarily committed for 72 There's hours. There's at least a chance of getting him into some sort of program or treatment or just getting people into into his life. Get, getting contact, face-to-face contact with people who know what to do with people like that. I, I think that that actually goes a long way because if you have... This guy, if you know that your neighbor is is in trouble, he's suffering and he is not right, you at least have eyes on. You're aware of him. Right. You know what's going on and can can act sort of as an extended, um, I don't know, information gatherer for the for the police agency in your area. Not to spy on the guy, but just to know they have him on their radar you should have them on your radar as well and and report anything that is out of the ordinary or anything that you believe is him preparing for something. I mean, we talked earlier today about what one of the things that signifies these types of people is that they meticulously plan this. Down in Parkland, Florida, they're holding a news conference right now. The Broward County Sheriff is holding this news conference on uh, on the school shooting. We'll see if we can get that to you. Got this? Okay. Rob Lasky, and then we'll take some questions. We continue to follow up leads. Our investigators working feverishly and fervently have spoken to or contacted almost 3,200 students and 200 staff and faculty. 
We do have seven people that still remain in the hospital. Thank the Lord that we have not added to our list of casualties. I wanted to clear up some rumors, uh, innuendos, misinformation that might be out there. The killer never was in possession of a gas mask or any type of smoke grenades. We did recover a balaclava, which for those of you who might not know, is just a, a face mask with eye slits. Again, there was no gas mask or no gas grenades at any time. We heard that there were questions that the media had about where our school resource deputy was. Our school, our school resource deputy, Deputy Peterson, was on campus. He is armed. And I believe the, the campus at Stoneman Douglas is approximately 45 acres. He never encountered the, the gunman. He never encountered the killer. Every day we're, learn, we're learning something more and more about the killer. Through search warrants, we've uncovered electronic devices and cell phones that tell us a little bit more about him. I will not be speaking specifically about either of these devices as the investigation continues. We have uncovered at the Broward Sheriff's Office that we've had approximately 20 calls for service over the last few years regarding the killer. We will continue to follow up as we do with any investigation. We want to try and find out why this killer did what he did, what we can learn for it, and how we can keep our kids safe moving forward. So every one of these calls for service will be looked at and scrutinized. If we find out, like in, in any investigation, that one of our deputies or call takers could have done something better or was remiss, I'll handle it accordingly. At this time, I'd like to bring up Rob Lasky, Special in uh, Agent in Charge of the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Good afternoon. Have you seen, earlier today, the FBI released a statement regarding information provided to our public access line on January 5th of this year. The caller provided information about Nicholas Cruz and the potential of him becoming a school shooter. Under normal protocol, this information should have been provided to the Miami Field Office. Their appropriate investigative steps would have been taken. The FBI has determined that protocol was not followed. The information was not provided to the Miami Field Office, and no further investigation was conducted at that time. The FBI is still investigating the facts of this situation. We will conduct an in-depth review of our internal procedures for responding to information that is provided by the public. The FBI remains dedicated to keeping the American people safe. On behalf of myself and over 1,000 employees of the Miami Field Office, we truly regret any additional pain that this has caused. The men and women who work in the Miami Field Office are part of this community. We walk the same streets. Our children attend the same schools to include Stoneman and Douglas. We worship in the same places. We are part of this community. 
as this community hurts, so do we. I want to thank you for your time, and God bless. Before we take questions, I, I did want to uh, acknowledge uh, I am so blessed to be able to sit here right now, stand here right now, and tell you that the son of one of our deputies was released from the hospital. He is on the men. He will heal. And I pray one day he will be going back to Stoneman Douglas. Behind me is uh, our undersheriff, Steve Kinsey, our Major Nicole Anderson, and our Colonel Jack Dale, who provided exemplary leadership, incredible leadership, as we continue to work through this tragic event. Uh, to my right is former mayor of Parkland, current county mission commissioner from Parkland, Michael Udine, and another group of people that I want to thank enormously for what they've done for Broward County during this is our staff, at uh, our public information staff. They have worked through some trying times. They've had request after request, and they stood tall, and, and they've been amazing. So I want to thank them as well. Any questions? What were the nature of the 20 calls service going to be here? Assorted calls for service. I don't. Some of the calls for service we did not go out on. Some of the people that called in were from other states. And by a call for service, and that's a great question, a call for service simply means that our dispatch center received a call. It doesn't necessarily mean that we went out on something. It could have been a telephonic contact with a deputy from a person in another state, or we might have gone out there. But we are going to dissect each and every... I don't know if I'm, I'm sure it, it, it talked about the psyche of the killer. It was, had to be related to the killer, but it was actually um, a breaking of the law or a crime that I can't tell you. Was Especially it related to him or an address where he was staying? Was there a specific? My, my hypothesis at this time is probably both, but my my uh, my hypothesis would be it would be more the killer than the address. Especially what do you tell these families when they hear this information about the FBI? I don't think anybody could say that. Uh, we still want to. We still want to encourage our community to see something, say something. Um, you know, we we want to learn. That's what these things are for. We were so much more proficient at at this tragedy than we were at the airport. We took the things away. We learned. We trained. And the, and and uh, and at the end of the day, make no mistake about it, America. The only one to blame for this incident is the killer himself. Special agent, can we ask special agent just one question? I mean, how did the Miami field office, I guess, wrap its head around that you guys were kept in the dark about this call, just to follow up on uh, what my colleague here asked? It's difficult, but we're professionals. Like I said, I have over a thousand agents or a thousand employees who come to work every day and do the best to protect America. Almost all of them, to a person, would be making more money in the public service, in the private service. But they come to do this job because they love this job. They believe in the mission. They believe the FBI, uh, the FBI, and they believe in law enforcement. How did you, you know? A lot of cover your ass going on here. The process. When someone would have called in, this was January 5th. Who would have been on the receiving end? Who specifically at this tip line with the FBI? Where was the information? How was it not related? Who did not relate the information? That's all under investigation. Normally, a t if a tip comes in, it involves uh, a credible threat against life or limb. Uh, it's immediately elevated to a supervisor and then provided out to the field office, the appropriate field so office. How did, how did the FBI today notify the 17 families? Did agents go to each home? Did you call them? How 
were they notified of what were those meetings like that they have? From what I understand, uh, the phone, a phone conversation or a phone bridge was made to those families, uh, given the fact that they were spread out all over, and we attempted to provide them the news prior to it hitting, hitting the public. What would you say to people who believe the FBI missed a chance to prevent this tragedy? The FBI, the potential of the FBI to miss something is always there. We do our best. We have normal protocols to prevent these things. Uh, we will be looking into where and how, uh, if something, if the protocol broke down, and we will come back stronger. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, FBI trying to do a lot of damage control here, talking about how much... Uh, how much less they make in the public sector than be, they would in the private sector. It's got to be frustrating for that special agent, uh, Rob Lasky, in charge of the Miami it field does. office. It's not, it's not him. It's not him. And no. the thing is, this this call came into the nationwide FBI hotline and never got forwarded to Two him. Two calls. Two calls to the so FBI. how you... I mean, he's in a hard position there because he's answering questions on behalf of the agency, and it's everybody above him that uh, that needs to answer these questions. Right. So anyway, uh, we'll come back. We'll talk more about this. Uh, Monica Ricks is going to join us. She's uh, there in Florida. We'll talk to her in a little bit as well about what's been going on. AM 640, more stimulating talk. Yeah, your heart goes out to the FBI agent there, Rob Lasky, because he is from the Miami field office, the office that never got the information on those tips, that was never able to connect those dots and possibly stop uh, this massacre. A lot of questions, a top to, uh, top to bottom review uh, ordered by Attorney General Jeff Sessions. There are people like the Florida governor calling for Christopher Ray's head. But you know what? He wasn't the guy in charge uh, for very long. Yeah, well, it, it doesn't. Someone's going to have to go down for this. Someone's oh, yeah. going to clearly and it may change a whole lot about what goes on, the way the FBI shares information with local uh, police agencies, the way the lo- local agencies Share with each other. I mean, the sheriff, Scott Israel, had just said that they they alone, the, the Broward County Sheriff's Office, got uh, more than 20 different calls for service specifically about this guy. So uh, our own Monica Ricks has been out in South Florida uh, since, uh, since I guess it was early yesterday morning when she got there uh, and talking with people and, and seeing what's going on. And Monica, the latest, I um, understand you have some news about the actual the school site itself, the building itself. Yeah, the school district now plans to tear down that freshman building. It's a three-story building where this shooting happened. They're going to get rid of it. They're going to tear it down. The superintendent says he's going to talk to state legislators now about possibly getting funding for a replacement building and ultimately uh, also erect a, a memorial at the school as well. But they're going to tear it down. And I actually talked to some students this morning about the thought of going back into that building. And there was a girl that said she couldn't even imagine it. She was one of the people in one of the classrooms that got shot into by this 19-year-old shooter. Two of her friends died. She saw other people getting shot around her, and she says it's horrifying that she hasn't been able to sleep or eat, and the thought of going back into that building was nauseating. And this isn't just a freshman building, I should tell you. There's a lot of other students that take classes there. There are culinary classes in there. There's a drama class in there. A bunch of other kids sort of uh, switch classes into that building. It holds about 900 students at any given time. So how 
they're going to shuffle these kids into other buildings or maybe bring in some portable buildings or have them take classes at another facility off campus, that's still undetermined. And the superintendent also says that this weekend they're going to decide when classes will resume at the school in general. So we don't know that, but we do know that that three-story building is going to come down. Do you know if they have any plans for um, for how to clean out the school? I mean, this may be a weird question, but a lot of those kids left and left all their stuff there. Is Are, are they going to be required well, to go back and get it, or is, are they going to clean it out and basically say, hey, come pick up whatever you left? Well, I think a lot of people, well, a lot of the teachers, first of all, went back into that building this morning. Uh, one, Actually, one of the culinary teachers that that, that uh, I talked to this morning says she went to go get, get her stuff, and it was just mixed emotions because, you know, she's going into this building where there was a shooting where she says it was chaos and she had to scramble to get her students. Um, but it's also, you know, it's it's she wants to get her stuff. She wants to eventually go back into the school and make sure that her students are okay, but you know, they had to go back in there. And I don't know if students are going to be going back in there. Uh, maybe they'll get their parents to grab backpacks or maybe they'll say, forget it. Like we don't need, we don't need a bunch of notebooks, you know, just get rid of the backpack altogether. Uh, but I know that students and, and some teachers were getting their cars out of the parking lot as well. So not sure how much access is in the actual uh, building where it happened, but there's certainly uh, ac- there's certainly activity in the parking lot. They're trying to clear out the school and get as much of the stuff out as possible. What's the community doing? Is there a, a place they're kind of meeting? Uh, how are they keeping busy here, trying to maybe stay together? I- I thought it was I thought it was weird yesterday that um, I didn't see any sort of memorial. Um, there were a couple vigils, but you know how when a tragedy happens, people gather and they drop off you know flowers and teddy bears and candles, and it's sort of a makeshift memorial near the site of where something tragic happens. I didn't see a lot of that happening until this morning. I went back to the school and people were tying stuff on a chain link fence. The bigger memorial, though, is where there was a vigil last night. It's at the near Parkland City Hall. And it's this big sort of open air uh, area. There are statues of angels there and people are just dropping off all kinds of stuff. Um, I haven't seen it since early this morning, so I'm sure it's grown since then. I'm going to have to stop by and check it out. Um, But yeah, people were starting to drop stuff off. Um, there was a big memorial last night where hundreds of people showed up and, and lit candles. And it, there, it was a chance to hear people just sort of uh, air their grievances and, you know, grieve a little bit as well. Uh, see other people that were affected by this. A lot of crying, a lot of hugging, a lot of praying. And um, it, was, it was really sad to see. Uh, it's very tough. Monica, thank you. Thanks, guys. Monica Ricks there in South Florida. Uh, I was... The um, the idea that they would tear down the building is not unprecedented. We no, saw, and saw, I don't know how you would make any other decision. You can't. I, no. I I can't imagine that there would be anything like that in Columbine. They they the scene of where most of the people were library. killed in the library yeah. was was torn down uh, and replaced with a memorial, and bas- they just basically changed the entire floor plan of that section of the school at Columbine. Because of what it was. <clears throat> and it's it's one of those places that you're never going to get away from. And I can't imagine what it's like for the teachers, especially to go back in, knowing that some of uh, some of the people that just the whole thing, just going back in and simply getting your everyday stuff for a woman to go get her purse or for a, a guy to go get his briefcase or a phone. It's hard not just, to tear down the whole place. Except it's a giant school. Like the, the sheriff said, it's a 45-acre school. Now, I granted, know. it's not all buildings, but it's 45 acres. 
3,200 students yeah. that go to that school. That's just tough. Or, you know, <clears throat> rename it or something. I don't know. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the movies that are going to be coming out this weekend. And we may even uh, get into uh, Shannon's new theory that, in fact, uh, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston are back together. That was not my theory. That was a theory that was you, your, sorry, you brought up this morning. That was morning. your hope. That was your Oscar hope. came in all upset about figure skating. You came in all excited about Brad and Jen. That's what happened. And that's also not true. Gary and Shannon will continue. La, 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 whatever. La, 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 it doesn't matter. La, 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 oh well. La, 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 we're going at it tonight. Tonight, there's a party on the rooftop. Top Gary and Shannon. <laughs> Uh, it is uh, Friday, February 16th. John and Ken are going to have more on uh, the latest uh, information about the FBI and the tip that was called into the FBI, specifically about this Florida high school shooter, specifically that he was deranged, specifically that he had weapons, and specifically that the person who was close to him that called in the tip said, I'm afraid this guy's going to be a school shooter. And it never made it to the Miami field office for them to go investigate. Other questions about what they would have been able to do? Well, one of the things they would have been able to do is contact the local police department and say, hey, uh, we got a name here. Any chance that you guys have uh, had any contact with this guy or if you know if he's got guns registered to him? And the answer in both of those cases would have been yes. I want an account of what they were doing in that field office instead of passing on the information. Oh, you mean in the in the where the hotline comes in, where the tip comes in? Well, there's a hotline, but then there's the Mississippi field office. Also, that one where there was another tip called in. Yeah, I'd like to know what they were doing instead. Furthermore, I would like to see firings. Someone's gone, and potentially a change in protocol about how they handle this. Because as we talked about earlier in this show, when you dig into the research about mass killers, school shooters, especially the profile of this guy, you can't cross check a database to find priors. This is their Big final event. Don't graduate yeah. to murder. Well, uh, on the good news t- end of things, we, we didn't get a chance to talk to Mo Kelly today about Mo and the movies, uh, for Mo and the movies, because we were t- carrying our news conference out of uh, South Florida. But there are a couple of things that are coming out today. Something called Early Man. Uh, if you remember the old um, Wallace and Gromit claymation stuff. No? Doesn't ring a bell for you? No. Anyway, it's all claymation. It's supposed to be very funny. Tom Hiddleston, Eddie Redmayne, uh, Macy Williams all give their voices to this thing. And then, of course, the Black Panther. T'Challa becomes the uh, becomes king of Wakanda after, after Chicago. I'm going to try it again. T'Challa becomes the king of Wakanda after T'Chaka is killed at the bombing at the UN, which we saw in the other Marvel movie. Easy movies. with those names. I'm careful, very careful. Are I you saw it. See this? I saw this oh, already. You did. I did see When did you see it? Doesn't matter. But I did see it. And there's a dude and named Warmonger. Killmonger. Sorry, Killmonger. Gosh, hey, you got to get it right. Night. I'm still tired, bro. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to uh, go catch it tonight. Michael B. Jordan plays the bad guy. And you've seen him in everything from Parenthood to um, Friday Night Lights. Everything. Michael B. Jordan is a great actor and he does a great job in this. So, of course, does Chadwick Boseman. The guy is fantastic as uh, the Black Panther, T'Challa. There are other people in this movie, though, that you go, I can't believe they got everyone. Forrest Whitaker is in the movie. Angela Bassett is in the movie. Lupita Nyong'o is in the movie. They did a great job of getting everybody in there. Did you love it? I thought it was a good movie. Oh, Here's the thing. It doesn't impact me the way it's going to impact other audiences. The true 
fans well, of Marvel. I, no, there's some of that. It's a very standalone movie. There's no references to Iron Man or Hulk or any of that stuff. So that, I thought, was a nice, refreshing change. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a cut scene in the middle. No spoiler alerts or anything or t- towards the end of the credits. So you have to stay and watch that. Um, but there are lines in there that I get, but they're not meant for me. Right. They're not meant for 45-year-old white mayonnaise Wonder Bread guy to go in there and appreciate it with my 18-year-old son. Yeah. I get it, but the movie was not uh, – the movie's targeted towards an audience that has been underrepresented when it comes to cinema. Okay. And it's going to it's going to crush it because of that. I, I think it's going to be incredibly successful because of that. We want to talk and about- they've already got, what, $30 million or something like that from the Thursday night uh, screenings. They're going to make $180 million this, this Do you weekend. want to talk about Jennifer Aniston? I don't want to, but if you want to. She and Justin Thor- Thoreau, Thoreau mm-hmm. are no longer a thing. Yes, they'll be separating. They announced their separation yesterday after two and a half years of marriage. There was so much talk about her. Why isn't she getting married? Why isn't she getting married? And it always just annoyed me as a woman that didn't want to get married. Why can't she just be single and not get married? Or why can't she just date so-and-so and not get married? It, was, I, it just would have been so frustrating, I would imagine. Um, and so finally she gets married, and, and thank God the uh, the tabloids kind of shut up about her. And so she was able to kind of live her life with this and your, guy. your theory is that she got that, she got hitched, so they'd leave her alone? Uh, I mean, that's why you not. got married, obviously, right. so the, the tablets just stopped knocking right. on your door. Exactly. Um, we actually, uh, my husband and I went in, you know, we were gone the first part of the week. We went back to the place in Mexico where I forced him into marriage with me. That is so romantic. Yeah, we sat at the same tequila bar where I sat in 2009 and uh, laid it were out you, you and just arrested? said, this is what's going to have to happen. You're going to have to marry me because of A, B, C, and D. Was there ever something I, that... I uh, compared ru- myself to a bag of ruffles because he loves ruffles. Uh. Yeah, it was a long thing. It worked out fine. It worked out fine. But anyway. That sounds like a poetic beginning to a yeah. long-lasting relationship. Poetry. Tequila, but- ruffles, <laughs> Mexico, mm-hmm. and an ultimatum. Yes. That sounds <laughs> match made in Nothing heaven. fuels an ultimatum like tequila. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, but anyway, now everyone is losing their minds about Jennifer Aniston. Oh, she's single. And Justin Thoreau. And, uh, and but wait will a she Brad end up Pitt with Brad single. Pitt? Uh-huh. Remember, he maybe, left her for maybe Angelina need- Jolie when they were filming Mr. and Mrs. Smith. They need to go to Mexico, throw in some tequila, uh-huh. a bag of ruffles. Huh? And an ultimatum. I bet Jen would let him have a couple cocktails, under, unlike Angie. Oh, that's a good point. He has a problem. Maybe it's just, maybe it's like virgin tequila. Maybe they have some pot. Okay. Not going to happen. Uh, we'll see a Monday. Did you say virgin tequila? Yeah. Never speak those words. I didn't know if there is such a thing. Um, but that was your nickname in high school? <laughs> Had to throw that in there. All right, John and Ken up next. We'll see you Monday. Stay dry, everybody. Now is the time, and wherever you are is the place. The Citadel makes it easier to earn your degree by offering master's degrees, graduate certificates, and undergraduate degree completion programs that are entirely online. Flexible scheduling makes these programs convenient for working professionals. Online classes are held to the same high standards that consistently name the Citadel the number one master's granting public college in the South. The Citadel. Online. On your time. Visit citadel.edu slash online.